So I think the communication that the Bible uses is obviously literary genius. It is the most important book literally ever, right? To history, to art, to language, there's no more important book. To philosophy, there's nothing more important than the Bible. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast. My name's Ethan. And my name's Derry, and today we have a very special guest here with us. It's Derry and Ethan back again Ooh. for the first time in a little, a little bit, up? probably. When was the last time That's we did by ourselves? So maybe three weeks. weeks. I break out the, I break out the Joel scene cube, but it's not plugged in right now. Oh. But I'm looking at it. Yeah. We could, we could do it. One of our, I miss um, it. Honestly, regular listeners, um, my fiance's mom. Or dad, one of those two. They no, they pointed out that last week <laughs> we um, forgot to ask Pastor Jean what animal he would take down. Oh no! I know. Oh no, it was my dad. My dad pointed yeah. out. He's like, you didn't, you didn't ask. I was like, oh gosh. Dang, I don't know. I didn't even think about asking. Was it? I know. It wasn't even that like long of a conversation. It was like an hour, but I think it was just like so exciting. Like he was yeah. like he's so bubbly of a person that I just like didn't have the presence of mind. I think. Right, me either. Totally forgot. But anyways, yeah. yeah. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for coming back and always listen to our show. It's exciting. We're happy you're here. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation on biblical inerrancy that we had with uh, Pastor mm-hmm. Jean Clouzet last uh, last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that, go back and listen to it. It's a really good conversation regarding, like, I guess, what's mm-hmm. more important, like biblical inerrancy or the message of the Bible being continuous. And what do we do with... Um, errors in the Bible. This week, we're just going to talk about um, inerrancy in general, have a discussion about the different views people have and mm. some safeguards around how to understand it and stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's where we're headed today. So stay tuned. Yeah, talking about all the way through. Oh, go ahead. Mm. Talking about him a little bit, uh, Jean, I think you know, it's hard to, for him to make very like definitive statements like it is this thing or like inerrancy is this, right? It would be more like he would say inerrancy and then like long story about what he like thought about it. And that's a lot of what definitions are about inerrancy um, because I think it is a very complicated answer. Um, but in his position, he is a Seventh-day Adventist. And within, at least when I was talking to him and other Adventists I've talked to, they have to follow very strict like um denominational guidelines and so i don't think he even if he had a different opinion on inerrancy i don't think he could really state it necessarily because mm-hmm. you have to follow the church doctrine much more uh structurally than like a non-denom or something like that where everybody just right, kind of right. has different views and you can be all these different things kind of together unless i guess like the lead pastors say you can't or something like that but i think it is much more connected because they have like they have schools and they have like hospitals and they have all these things that work together with the church. It's very much more structured. So I don't think you can really go off the path theologically necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, sure. I did really like what he had to say. I think um, it would be good in our episode to talk about more of the broader spectrum, the broader spectrum of what inerrancy is mm-hmm. and the different views of it, because he presented a kind of a confusing one that was, not it, not in the middle, a little bit more to the right of middle, but it wasn't super extreme, which I liked. I thought it was like a good perspective to have. I don't think it's like a bad one at all to have. Um, but I think it'd be cool to talk about some of the other ones as well to just sort of give a, a good rounded out picture of what different pastors, different churches, different traditions believe about inerrancy and maybe some of the history of inerrancy too, a little bit could be fun. Is there anywhere you want to go today? 
Um, yeah, definitely want to define like what inerrancy is if people missed last week's episode, or maybe you don't mm. know what that means. Um, essentially, inerrancy is just like without error. So when people say the Bible is inerrant, what they're meaning is the Bible is without error. And mm. you can probably pretty uh, closely see or pretty like as soon as you hear that, you can you can see maybe there's some problems with that. Because there's certain passages in the scriptures that are about the same event that are written in different ways, you know, like we mm. talked about last week. So once again, go back and check that episode out. But there's like parts where uh, Luke's account of a, of a thing that Jesus did might be different than what Matthew says. Right. And right. so some people might say that's an error or maybe they'll right. say, oh, this is translated um, wrong here versus here. That's an error. And so. We want to define what we mean by the Bibles without error. Is it to mm. in totality, no error at all? And in which case we have to take everything as absolute fact over, excuse me, what the world may say, right? Mm. And then, or is it without error in teaching, without error in message, without error in what it's trying to communicate the overall message? And that's kind of a, a hit, like on the same vein of thought that we talked about last week with Pastor Jean. And then, um, yeah, so I guess we could just talk about what, yeah, what do we, what are we talking about in this episode with biblical inerrancy, mm. or, or we're probably just going to talk about what different views are, right? We'll probably give you a number of definitions and that you yeah. guys decide from, for yourselves what you think. Right. Yeah. I think it'd be good to start off with sort of the two, like, far right, far left definitions kind of of what mm. people kind of hold to, right? Just so people can kind of get a an idea of where the boundary markers are of like, I can be a Christian and go this far and I can be a Christian and go this far. And then here's everything in the middle kind of, right? Yeah. You want to do that a little bit? So yeah, we can go there. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're going to say something. Oh, I was just saying, yeah. I think we might have like a, a second of a lag going on between our connection. So okay. I think when I said, yeah, it didn't come through till you were talking, but yeah, go for it. Yeah, so on one side, you have a term called the verbal plenary um, inerrancy, and that's like the very far right side. And what that those people are going to say is that every word, every, uh, I mean, there isn't a lot of quotation, or there isn't a lot of uh, like different markings in the Bible. It's mostly just like, or sentence structures, at least. It's mostly just lots of words, right, um, on a scroll. And so they would say, all of those things, every single word written down is God breathed. And there is no error within both the message, um, the formation, and also like every word that's in there, right? So everything that's in there is the original, is what um, God intended. And there's no error in any part of this whatsoever, right? So that's sort of like the very far right definition of it. And so they'd say it would never, it would never falter. And they would say this. They would say, we come to that conclusion, not based off of the evidence necessarily, but based off that the word of God says that it's the word of God. So any error that we see in it must not be an error. And we can find a way to um, harmonize it. And if we can't find a way to harmonize it, it just means we don't have enough information to understand it yet. Right. So those would be sort of like the defenses of the verbal plenary um, understanding of inerrancy. Anything else about that before we go to like the other side? Yeah. Uh, one thing I was looking at when I was reading and or not reading, but listening and doing research and stuff like that is their logic in this, just so we all understand it, is that God is perfect. 
Therefore, God's right. word is perfect and God cannot lie or make mistakes. Therefore, his word mm-hmm. cannot lie or make mistakes. Therefore, there can't be any errors in this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so right. I think the they, they would say, though, that means like the original text, like, so like Hebrew and Greek right. and parts of Aramaic, they don't necessarily say that's all just um, English translation. Right. Because, of course, if you do that then it's like which english translation are you going to use and then that has right. to become better. right um and they and that's like from right. people on the conservative side even admit that so they mean like the original language is without error or uh, mistake and then maybe there's right. translation or things so that's my uh, another, another way that they might explain away some uh things that they come across yeah i mean i i think there's a little bit of a spectrum in there too where some uh, people who hold to that more conservative standpoint would say there aren't even translation errors that it, it all has been correct. Oh, there's found. probably some and some people, people would, sure. some people would be a little more nuanced and do what you said and say like, yeah, there are some translation errors, but like the word of God, every word is still, or is still inerrant and like still perfect. Right. Reflecting right. the character and nature of God and being perfect. Yeah. yeah. I will say, side right, note, so uh, I'm gonna go. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will say to the uh, conservative view. Yeah, a side note I did hear is that um, in one of the debates I heard is that they're saying like, you know, sometimes people say like, well, you can't say the Bible's an error just because the Bible says it's an error. And they're like, well, I mean, imagine if it didn't say it's an error, then you would use that against us as well. You'd say like, oh, the Bible doesn't say it's an error and says inspired, but they'd be like, right. they say the Bible can't be an error just because the Bible says it's inspired. It's like, well, if it didn't say it's inspired, you guys would use that as ammo saying like, not even your own book claims that it's the word of God. You know, it's just like a funny. I don't thing. understand that. Can you explain that in a second? So like, a yeah, if the Bible never said that mm. the Bible is inspired, if it mm. never said that and we just believed it was without right. it claiming that, then you would have to, uh, then anyone, any skeptic can come against us and say, I mean, your book doesn't right, even right. say it's inspired. So why are you guys believing it's inspired? But, right. you know, it's just a funny thing. People always try to point out like, you can't, it's circular reason. You can't do it. It's like, well, even if it wasn't there, you'd also still come at us. So let's just drop the point. Mm-hmm. Anyways, just yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. So on the like non-conservative side, right? Like the far uh-huh. left side, you have the idea of uh, just non-inerrancy, that there isn't, uh, there isn't inerrancy within the Bible. There are many errors and they're plain all over, right? So this is like the very far left side. And they would say there's errors from translation. There's errors from um, interpretation. There's errors within uh, the text itself. And there's errors within the theme of the Bible, that the Bible isn't univocal and that it doesn't have the same overarching voice throughout, but that it changes, right? And so that would be like the very, very like liberal side to where these people are still Christians. They still believe that the Bible is the word of God, but they believe um, because it's um, both inspired by God, but a man-made book that it has errors in it and that are in different aspects of it, right? Is there anything you want to say about that definition from the very left side? Uh, I would just ask if you know of any of those things that they would point out, like you said, it's not univocal in theme and stuff like that. Mm. What are those things that they outline that say like, oh, this is different than here? Do you know off the top of your head or on your notes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, lots of them that they'll point out. Um, Mostly within the, well, in the Old Testament to New Testament, it changes so much, even just within from the exile. I'm not saying, sorry, I'm not saying that I think it changes a lot, 
Um, I might think that for some things, but just sticking to like a, a broader, what these people believe definition, they would say, um, especially from um, exile and through um, to the redemption and then through the kings and then throughout all the, that history, right? That the idea of Yahweh changes a lot, especially from Abraham and how he understood God and how he speaks about God um, through to the kings and how they understood God and thought about him um, through all of law and then into the New Testament. Um, for example, like the, the name of God changes, the plurality within the different names they say would change, the understanding of the afterlife they say uh, develops a lot, um, especially within the different cultures that it exists in. Um, yeah, and is definitely. spoken about in, in very like uh, normative cultural language to the, the place and time that the people are in, which is totally fine in my opinion. Um, but that changes as well. The idea of God's justice also changes, they would say, um, hmm. in many different aspects of how God is just and the, the means that he uses to display his justice. Um, they would say also the, the thing, the main thing, obviously the most important thing that changes is just the view of God in general, that as a people that is obviously very, um, very like new philosophically, like they don't have a lot of philosophical roots, like early on in ancient, uh, like, uh, Hebrew literature. And it obviously evolves a lot throughout the ages. You see that evolution of philosophy. And as it becomes more and more important to them and it evolves more, their understanding of God philosophically understand, uh, philosophically evolves so that when you get to the point of like the new testament you have a much different view of god philosophically than you do with abraham because abraham is just having a relationship with god he's not necessarily making philosophical statements about him all the time is, is what they would say and so you get two very pictures of who god is from then till in the new testament because philosophy evolves a lot so they make a lot of um cultural arguments for the reasons why all these things seem to change um yeah. And they would say like most of those things are contradictions, but don't necessarily make the Bible invalid or make it um, not inspired, but just is a normal um, change within how humans would write down a book about who God actually is as he's displaying themselves to him. So it'd still hold to it being inspired and the word of God, but from humans, basically. Yeah, so inspired and from God, but fluid. So therefore not invalid. Yeah. They, like they'd be like, yeah, God inspired it, but he inspired it in this way intentionally to show in a human way. He, yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. I would, I would, I, if I met, I haven't met someone who has like an extreme view of that, but I would definitely be mm. curious to kind of prod some things and wonder like, well, is this actually different? Is this actually problematic or is it just different expressions? Like specifically mm. with the justice thing you're talking about, like if God is just, and then we see his justice displayed in different ways, I'm like, well, that doesn't change the fact that he's just. It just means he has a multitude of ways to, in which justice is achieved in his sovereign idea. You yeah, know, so possibility for sure. So his character isn't changing because God can't change. We know that, you know, we know that God is, mm. can't change. Um, right. At least that's what I believe. Um, so it's like, well, yeah, if, he, if it looks like his character is changing, I would say maybe it's not necessarily changing. We're just seeing different ways in which it can be. Mm. Uh, yeah, I think these scholars would these scholars would argue that it's not God revealing himself to be a certain way to his people, but that it's his people understanding God in a certain way. And then their idea of God being written down and then evolving over time so that God is still always uniform and always himself, but the human's idea 
of who God is is evolving and changing throughout Scripture. Uh, okay, is what okay. I would say. Okay. And so that's cool. why they, that's why they'd say there isn't a univocal voice or a, there isn't a consistent theme throughout because um, the idea of who God is and the theme of humanity is different throughout. I think that's probably the hardest argument to make that that the just the the very basis of like the story of redemption throughout the Bible isn't consistent because you see it like so clearly from Genesis all the way through to the new Testament, um, even to revelation. So I think it's kind of harder to make that argument. Um, but yeah, I know I've spoken personally with many scholars who have that, uh, that view of scripture. Yeah. yeah, I'd wonder if they, like this, my idea would be like, I wonder if they're just, being what could be called like are you, like are you nitpicking certain things but they i don't think that, mm. that, i don't think they're intentionally being like let me be yes so they're just genuinely yeah. like, oh, i just don't see it but yeah like that's the thing right like in genesis of the fall you see this prophecy of jesus and all throughout the old testament you see prophecies mm-hmm. of jesus and then jesus comes mm-hmm. and then it's the prophecy of the kingdom and and the and talking about the kingdoms here the kingdom's yeah. coming the kingdom is among us and then what the kingdom looks right. like and so i yeah i would i would agree with you that i think it's pretty univocal but maybe it's both maybe it's like hey there's one overarching thing and there's a lot of things underneath of it and uh, and maybe oftentimes it doesn't have to be one or the other it can be both hand yeah definitely it's definitely interesting Uh, i would like to point out though that the majority of scholars hold that very like far left view of inerrancy um of non-inerrancy so most of scholars i know of and have read from um do hold that there are lots of scholars that hold um, like a fundamentalist view of everything being literal. There's many scholars that have like a, a view kind of in the middle. Um, but I would say most of the scholars, at least that I've read and how I've heard them talk about other scholars and like the scholarly consensus of the view mm. is one that is a little bit more left of center from um, like that view, just based off of um, archeology, span the history that we know and like yeah. all of those facts kind of compounding onto what they read in scripture and how it's been uh, compiled over time. Does that make sense? Right, right. Yeah, but I also don't, you, know, you can't also say that uh, that everything's literal either. You know, yeah. like everything can't, isn't it? Because then- Well, you like, can, but a lot of people like, do. I know, but if you're going to say that everything <laughs> in the Bible is literal, it's like, are you taking consideration the different types of literature? Because- mm. You know, well, like, on now because we're getting in, we're getting into like our yeah, zone. Yeah. Do, do we want do, do we well, want to go from here to more of our like, Well, we're not getting into an opinion necessarily. I think it's like objectively, like Songs of Solomon is not literal. You know, like no, dude, it's literally about Jesus. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's about Jesus. No, that man was infatuated in love and was expressing himself. <laughs> but um, heresy, get out of here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah let's uh we can probably recenter back on the inerrancy uh, we don't have to that. if you don't want to we can go on to like our, our own views of what it is and like we can have a conversation about it i think just kind of finishing up that like yeah. sort of spectrum we're kind of talking about right? right from the very far left to the very far right there's lots of views in the middle right so i think like uh-huh. a healthy middle that a lot of people come to um is like the bible has seeming errors in it this is a little left of center let's say has seeming errors in it, but those errors can probably be harmonized just by looking at, um, is, is this book of the Bible trying to tell you history right now? Does it matter that the historical like volume that we see outside of the Bible doesn't back this up? Or is 
the accurate retelling of history not the point of this book and is the point of this book rather to show an illustration of some truth some greater and more absolute truth rather than to tell you what actually happened within history right so a lot of errors within books scholars will just say the focus of the book is clearly not to tell you like that all of canaan was wiped out because we see canaan later on right and so the purpose of that book isn't to show you that this is actually what happened literally within history but rather that there's a a very, very, very important philosophical work going on that we need to understand as truth here. And the, the point is not that the Canaanite like people got genocided and then now they show up again later. Oh, if I take both those things literally, like there's a problem there, right? And so a lot of people would just say, well, the point of that book is not that you're telling me little history, but that you're showing me wh- how God responds to evil going on in the world, right? And like his like very extreme response to that. Mm-hmm. And so- that would be how a lot of people would harmonize and say there isn't an error here. We just have to use certain methods to understand what the book is trying to actually tell us. And once you understand that, the seeming error might go away, right? And so they can still hold yeah. to a view of inerrancy that's different than of one that's like a fundamentalist, everything is literal kind of view to understand what the book was actually like trying to say originally. I would say it's a little bit left of center. You can go like a little more on like the right of center and people might not use those methods as much, but they'll still use means of harmonizing scriptures. I think, for example, we could go through like the different accounts of um, people finding Jesus at the tomb, right? Like Matthew, Mark. Yeah. And Luke, I'll have different like opinions of who showed up first. When did they leave? Who left with who? Well, don't they Which all, disciples they don't all saw him first? Yeah, but some of them have them leaving at different times, arriving at different times, oh, yeah. different disciples here on the way, or they get to a certain place and then they see the disciples. So there seem to be like yeah. conflicting there, narratives. Yeah. Isn't there stuff about like the, the angels too? Like one with angel was sitting mm-hmm. and then there's angels standing. And it's yes. like, yeah, yeah. well, guys, they saw an angel. Okay. It doesn't matter if they were sitting or standing, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Definitely. And then one of them, Mary meets, meets Christ outside after she encounters angels. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and so all of those things, in my opinion, like you could use a little bit more conservative understanding of inerrancy to understand that and to harmonize it better just by sort of like writing out a diagram of when certain people met different people and when they left and where they went. And you can kind of like put it together. And some people could argue you couldn't. And there'd be some good arguments, I think, but some people could make a pretty good case that, well, maybe like they, they heard from this person and they went and told these disciples, this person left and stayed for a few more minutes. And then they went and joined them. There's hypotheses, hypotheses you can put together to make it understandable between a few different witnesses, right? Um, mm-hmm. That would still allow for more, a little bit more conservative view of inerrancy. I think that's totally fine too. So just kind of rounding out some more of the different views you could have within the spectrum of inerrancy. I think, yeah, kind of do that yeah. before we move on to our opinions and, and different yeah, topics. Yeah. And the encouraging yeah. is there anything more like, you want to say on that? Yeah. The encouraging thing is that like we talked about in like last week's episode, what you believe about inerrancy does not make or break you as a Christian. You know, it's not a salvation yeah. issue. So therefore we don't need to get angry at people if they disagree. Right. Mm. Um, but yeah, like we do, I think, yeah, if we can agree that, hey, the Bible has messages from God that it's trying to communicate to humans mm-hmm. about how to serve him, then we can all like, okay, cool. We can find those messages and go on with it. Yeah. Right. 
So yeah, yeah I think, and I think that... one thing that Jean said from last week that's so good to take is that you got to be humble and say, I just don't know a lot of the time, right? There's a lot of this history. Yeah. There's a lot of archaeology we don't have. And so you got to just go with information that you have and try to be honest and not prideful and say, this is the information I have. I probably can't know, but this is my opinion. Yeah. And I think maybe you sent me this video or I saw it somewhere, but there's language used like when it talks about like they they killed everyone and all and X, X, like xyz that killed these people it's like mm. the language of the day was like would be kind of how we say like oh dude that team got absolutely obliterated in this game. oh and, and the canaanite dealio yeah yeah mm. maybe it's a canaanite yeah, it's very one. typical language used yeah it might be the canaanite it might is. be another one i haven't i didn't do a deep dive mm. dive into it but yeah it's like if that language of that day like says this happened basically to say like they got beat very badly and it wasn't like it's a mercy match, mm-hmm. you know, it's not even like a competition. That's different right. than a literal slaughtering of every single right. entire person. It'd be kind of like if we said like, oh yeah, like Hitler killed like all the Jews. It's like, well, he clearly didn't kill all of them, but we right. say that because he killed a lot of them. Right. You know? And so if we, yeah, no, I don't think we really use figures of speeches that like that that much just because we're such a literal culture um yeah so I think it's a little bit even hard for us to understand how they use that figure of speech if it was in fact a figure of speech because I know there are a lot of people who don't think that's what it was right right but yeah it's just good good to be aware of the different possibilities of understanding it so then we can get the entirety of understanding but yeah we can move on into some of our opinions what we believe about inerrancy and then mm. um and whatnot because our opinions are the best and you have to listen to them well yeah you came to our podcast so <laughs> you clearly don't care about the scholars <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so funny was there how anything you want to say like shows? off the bat yeah i was gonna say how i prepare for shows is we settle a topic oh, yeah. i think about what i want to say for five minutes i'm like yep that's it i don't even change my opinion i just run with it oh nice I'm like, yep, this is it. And Aaron sees I about must it. be right. I have like the entire you know, wrong definition. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes is all yeah. I need to think about it. I'm good to it's go. Like I don't even know what the word means. I start talking about something else. You're like, what is he? <laughs> no, just kidding. Dude, um, I have to be right. I thought about it for five whole minutes. <laughs> what is an ego? I haven't even heard of that before. I don't have one of those. <laughs> i did uh, one no, I, I did one buddhism one time and i have no more ego <laughs> did one. i've never done a buddhism but i went to thailand once and left my ego there so <laughs> do i left I, my ego in thailand sorry I'm fine <laughs> That's so now when i go to thailand i'm super prideful that is where it gets bad mm, your ego back <laughs> yeah exactly <That> <laughs> um, but yeah i would say like how i understand inerrancy is more of a wrong way maybe i was what's that no what'd you say i said wrong way (laughs) oh wrong way i don't know maybe i gotta be humble right um yeah if it was if i know it's wrong i wouldn't actively believe it though so i think it's right right now Mm. um yeah yeah i'd say it's probably more central in that Mm. i think some people might point out problems that i just don't find problematic like they're like this is an error i'm like i don't see how that's problematic like i I think a difference is a is different than an error so people are like this is an error i'm like well it's not error means wrong you know it's not 
just because there's two different accounts of the same event doesn't, doesn't error mean wrong error like oh there's an error there's a thing wrong you know that's how i understand it mm, okay you know i would think because like inerrancy means like whatever that sub uh sub thing of in would for that word means and then error right like, is it like but like so if, if it means if we're saying like the bible contains no errors i'd be like yeah it contains no errors in teaching in mm-hmm. uh, about how to follow god about how to please god about how to be a christian i think right. but sure there could be like if you want to call contradictions quote-unquote errors or take everything literally that you're going to find errors because like we talked about last week mm. All of Job's friends are wrong about everything they say. So you can't take everything the scripture says as this is all fact. And then you can't just like pull this out because then his friends get rebuked in the end. Or, you know, you can't Mm -hmm. take isolated parts of scripture and say they're right and they're without error. Because in Proverbs, it says the fool has said in his heart, or maybe Psalms, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Well, you can't take that one part and say there is no God and say, well, the Bible is inerrant. And this says there is no God. So there's no God. It's like, okay. You right. can't, you're not, you can't do that. You got to be silly. integral. Right. And so I would say, I think inerrancy is like, yes, the Bible is inerrant in what it's teaching. It teaches accurately about who mm-hmm. God is. It teaches accurately about how to follow God. And it teaches accurately about our purpose here on earth. And mm-hmm. I think it has pretty accurate history into the people of Israel. That is, I know mm-hmm. has maybe been debated. Some people think that Israel wrote some biases there because they're Israel. They want to make themselves look good. Like, every nation did um Mm -hmm. but because it's the bible the point of chronicles yeah right i have actually read chronicles (laughs) in a little bit it can't be the point of kings kings is like and this king is more wicked and this king was israel looks terrible yeah yeah they shame themselves (laughs) yeah but yeah i would say like i just i wouldn't say that oh i i haven't looked at it into a lot into it a lot but i would just be hesitant Mm -hmm. to say that a lot of the history is just bias that they pulled on purpose. Cause I'd still say like, well, I mean, you still see mm. God moving there. You still see God to like doing things. So I don't yeah. know if they're like, if they would misrepresent God in a way that is wrong, I don't think God would allow that to be in scripture, you know, and a lot of, a lot of the mm. old Testament does show a lot of what Israel did as bad. And basically the whole old Testament message you could say is humans suck at following God. They don't keep the law. Mm-hmm. Humans can't keep this law. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I'd say yeah, like definitely. teaching, uh, lifestyle, and purpose, it can tell you all that, and you can rely on it and follow yeah. it. Yeah, for sure. I think it's so. I don't even like the the term inerrancy. Like I don't think I would ever use it. Yeah. Because I I I'm not a I'm not a non inerrant inerrantist. Like I don't think I am that left leaning um in my view but i just don't think the word is useful whatsoever because i mean saying anything is without error like you have to define that so well before you use the term that it makes the term not not useful whatsoever you know what i mean like if i ever say inerrance like i think the bible is inerrant who knows what that means to the person listening to me right because if they're a baptist they probably think i agree with like the chicago baptist statement which is like the most literal uh reading of scripture right but yeah but if i'm talking more of a progressive church or even to like most scholars they're gonna think i'm saying something completely different right so i just don't think it's a helpful Uh term to use at all 
Um, uh-huh. So, but if someone t- were to ask me, are there errors within scripture? I really have to ask them, what do you mean? Because there's lots of errors within scripture. Yeah. If you just go to the beginning of like, we have, we have none of the originals um, when it comes to like the Greek and Hebrew texts of the Bible, we have zero of them. And so we have, yeah. we have what scholars would say is what we're pretty sure, almost, almost like totally sure what the originals would have said. Right. But because we don't absolutely have the originals, we can't 400% say we know what the Bible originally said when it was first written down, right? Now, right. most scholars don't think that that's necessarily a problem. They think we have mostly what it would say. So that's great, right? But the fact is, is that we have thousands of different manuscripts, all which disagree with each other in one way or another. Most of them don't have major disagreements. But even if there's one comma, off that what that we inserted there or if there's even like one translation where there's a capital letter used instead of a lowercase letter or something just within our english like mindset of of what it would be like right um yeah then that is an error and the bible is now has an error and is not inerrant right right because it now has errors so unless you like whittle away at what you think inerrancy means i don't think it's necessarily a helpful term i my view of the bible is that it's just like Christ, like Christ is human and God, right? And the Bible well, he was is without sin, like, could it, not sin. He couldn't sin whatsoever. So therefore, yeah, yeah. For the for the analogy, for the analogy, two hour episode. The Bible, where we had a two hour debate. <laughs> for for the analogy, like the the Bible is obviously a very human book, right? Whether you go from the poetry within it that's going to spark like a a beauty to us when we see the literary style written about poetry or if you go to like the psalms and you hear like the crying out of david right um or even the restoration that david feels in some of the psalms and then you go to the gospels and when it's depicting a lot more of like the philosophical importance to us of what christ did like all of it is is communicating to humans in a very human way that humans will understand you know what i mean and so i think it is is clearly a very human book that humans wrote that God inspired. That is a story about God that has many different literary styles within it and many different ways of displaying God's truth within it um, or the truth of God's within it, of God within it. I don't want to say God's truth. I hate when people say that, but I say it all the time too. What, <laughs> God's truth? Saying it. Yeah, it's not God's truth. It's the truth of God is within it, right? Yeah, well, and yeah. so- yeah. And so when you, when you have instances like, um, like the different genealogies within the gospels of Jesus, right? Like, and they conflict with each other. Well, I don't think that that's necessarily an error because technically it is like, if you tell me this is the genealogy of Jesus, and this is also the genealogy of Jesus, right? Well, they are not the same. So then which one is right? Well, I don't think that's necessarily the question. Like, you're not asking a good question. What the what the text is trying to tell you is something completely different. You know, one's mm-hmm. trying to connect Adam to Christ, and one's trying to connect David to Christ for very different literary reasons. And you have yeah. to understand what the book is trying to tell you, because if you don't understand it, then there's going to be some pretty massive errors that you're not going to get, at, along with you not understanding the point of the book. Right? right as well and what it's trying right. to communicate to you the truth that it's trying to communicate to you so i think the communication that the bible uses is obviously literary genius and is like mind-blowing which is why there are so many scholars that study it that aren't christian 
that are Jewish, that are atheists, that are Christians, that all study this and all have a very high understanding and high value of it because it is the most important book literally ever, right? Mm-hmm. To history, to art, to language, there's no more important book. To philosophy, there's nothing more important than the Bible, outside of it even being God's inspired word, right? Right. Um, but I do think that it is God's inspired word, and that it seems to be given the evidence from God. And I think it'd be, it'd be interesting to talk about what does the Bible even claim about itself, because like we we've given our own like understandings of what. Inerrant, the inerrant view of the Bible is. Um, but I think it's interesting, and this is what a lot of scholars that I've heard talk about it will, will like to talk about, is like the Bible doesn't make claims about itself necessarily because they're all just individual mm-hmm. books within the Bible. They're making claims yeah. about a people at a certain time, right? So like right. When, when Isaiah is making claims in Isaiah 54. And some people say those are claims about Jesus. And some people say those are claims about Israel. And there's a a fight back and forth, right? It can be easier to make connections to Jesus if you're viewing this as a statement the Bible is making about itself. And I'm not saying that those are about Jesus or Israel. It's a long conversation and we could talk about it for a long time. I think think a lot of people would, do you think a lot of people would be okay if you said the statements are about both? Like the prophecy can mean both? Mm, it's it's possible. Um, I think that I don't know enough to like make a absolutely this is what I think it is because I've heard scholars say really good things yeah. about both sides. Um, but, but I'm more kind kind of trying to address the thought process of yeah, this sure. has to be talking about Jesus because it has to fit into my view that the Bible only speaks about itself in one voice all of the time, right? And so we can make yeah. a lot of inferences into different books of the Bible and make them say things they never intended to say because they're not talking about another book of the Bible most of the time unless a character within that set of scripture is referencing back to like an older scripture. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or if they like, yeah. yeah. I think it's super interesting. Yeah, if the scriptures reference other scriptures, then it's fair. Because like Peter talks about Paul's writing of scripture and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. Um, and another thing I like with the error stuff is if you try to find the date Jesus was born, like you, you either will end up with like, Evil. I think it's like 3 BC or like 480 or 4 BCC. There's like right. a 10 year margin where like Matthew says one thing and you're like, cool. And then Luke is like extremely specific and you're like, wait, this historical reference that he's talking about that right. we know happened is like seven to 10 years off of what Matthew said. And like, mm-hmm. you'll rack, I spent like, so I found that out when, and I like abandoned all my work for the day and just like obsessed about that one thing. I was like, what <laughs> is this? And I spent like, in, probably in a BCC or something after my BCC over Christmas break when I was preparing oh, my yeah. other teaching um mm-hmm. i spent way too way too long on it and like finally i found this historian mm-hmm. that was a christian and he's like you know he's like historians usually have a hard time narrowing down exact dates if you get like a 10 to 15 year like an uh, accurate date they're like they're good with that. Yeah. a lot of historians are like that's fine i'm like okay cool i mean that's but it's still right. like i was like what does this mean like i have to know this because like, it's not it's not lining up and what does this mean about the implications of the scripture of this or that and you got to look at well right. what is what is luke trying to tell you what is matthew trying to tell you just like you were saying with the genealogies mm-hmm. right with luke a lot of yeah. what luke does is emphasizes the the value of women and so he goes with the lineage right. of mary and then mm-hmm. i think that's the one maybe connects with adam possibly or maybe not or maybe david but then matthew's talking to 
a Jewish audience and he wants to communicate that Jesus is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. So he can connects it to right. maybe David because the Messiah was t- supposed to come after David and he uses his father Joseph. Lineage, right. right. And it's because mm-hmm. they and Jews respected men more than women. So he's using the father's lineage. And so right. it, you got to right. once you like and this is not like hard information to find you guys if you are um, curious about like where to find these sources. There's like a book called um, you get like any background commentary that will help you mm-hmm. like there's like ivp background commentary there's a tyndale's there's like the world's and you can get those sources online and for a little right. bit of money maybe like it's like a background commentary so it's not like super cheap but mm. definitely really helpful if you have questions you look up that verse gives you context it's really cool mm. um yeah but yeah i think like what you said is really good and, and um i was gonna i thought about something when you were talking about like how the Bible does have errors. The Bible has tons of errors, like all over it. Mm-hmm. The first one, Eve eating the apple or the fruit. Yeah. That was an error, <laughs> you know. Such a cheesy pastor line. <laughs> I wrote it down. I, was, I chuckled. I was like, oh, absolutely. The Bible's That's got so errors. Peter doubted, you know. Thomas. <laughs> Judas betrayed. There's Oopsies. a lot of people and they make a lot of errors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think when, when people hear the phrase, the Bible is a very human book, it's very scary for them, right? Because we want to yeah. just think like, oh, the Bible is like just, it's like, it's literally God, like, and there's absolutely no errors. And if there's any errors in it, then I can't believe it because it wouldn't be the word of God if there's errors in it, right? Um, yeah. And then even they, they're not comfortable with the, even the term errors and me saying that there are certain errors within the Bible. Um, and man, I just think it's so much more beautiful when the book is communicated the way it is in such like a human way where it's clearly divine and clearly speaking uh-huh. about the divine, but in a such a beautifully human way, right? Yeah. Like written through yeah. humans, right? And whether you want to get super nuanced and hypothetical and say it's God speaking through the different personalities of all the different writers, whether you want to say that or you want to be more liberal and just say, no, this is about the divine and sort of like God co like God co-signed, but just like Paul writing from Paul's perspective about like all the things that he experienced. You can say either of those things, right? Um, no matter what, we can't know. We know that the different personalities are very evident, very clear within how scripture is written, and those things bleed through very clearly. Um, and yeah. it's beautiful and it's awesome to see and it makes the bible so much more literarily complex and beautiful to understand and it's part of loving god with your mind and being able to figure out those kind of things right and i, I wouldn't want to have it any other way but it does lead to a lot of different questions because that's a, a little bit human we lost right? you for a second say that again i was just saying it is it can be kind of scary for the first time to realize the bible is a little human yeah one thing that i always thought about like <laughs> like when I was like uh, newer in my faith, I was like, man, the Bible is crazy. Like all these different connections. I was like, I thought that like they were writing from a human perspective and God was throwing little winks at there. Like, huh, like you don't know mm. what you're doing, but I'm doing something there. And then like, <laughs> yeah. by the time I got to my BCC and like had read it a couple more times, I was like, 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 so for Mark, for example, I don't remember if I had said this last week, but the whole thing of Mark is a, is a called the chiastic structure, right? Where like, it's like, okay. A, B, C, B, A, and everything's like an arrow pointing down to whatever C is, and C is the main point, yeah, right? Whatever the and point. So, yeah. yeah, and so Mark uses that, and basically the the crux of Mark, the central point that he wants you to get, is when Peter yeah. says, you are the Messiah, and um, he's, right. like, he's like, who do people say I am? He's like, well, you're the Messiah, 
right? So that's the whole thing that Mark, right. everything Mark leads up to goes here and then everything outside like like parallels what you saw before, you know? And mm. when I found that out, I was like, that's one of those things that Darius was talking about where there's literary genius in the Bible where you're like, oh my gosh, like Mark did not accidentally do this extremely complex yeah. chiastic structure that people call a Greek tragedy or they call like different types of lit. Mm. All these scholars are like, man, Mark's book is so complex that it's like hard to pinpoint exactly what type of literary um, yeah. or, or what kind of narrative it is because it's so rich. And it's like, wow, like Mark mm. knew what he was doing and he was being intentional with his, his, uh, his process of, of events to get you to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. And then he was intentional with his parallel stories. And he intentionally left off with the women yelling, if you believe that the last half of the last chapter mm. wasn't in the original text, because it leaves at this cliffhanger where you're like on the edge of your seat, like, wait, what just happened? Like, I was expecting this big resolution. Everyone's happy. And there was no happy ending. It's like, Jesus isn't in the tomb and the women run away scared. And then that's it. It's like, wait, yeah, where's the victory? Where's the great commission? And it comes later, right? Um, yeah. Probably maybe 200 years later. But um, mm. but it's like, that is like, Mark didn't accidentally do that. Like Mark knew what he was doing and I think he was doing it intentionally. Right. And probably, yeah, and I would say like led by the Holy Spirit, whether he knew it or not. You know, I don't think that mm. it was like, I'm not yeah, the type of person who believes in inerrancy where like people believe in like automatic writing and people do automatic writing where they open themselves up to right. demonic spirits to teach them how to write. You know, like the Enneagram came about mm. that way. Um, there's a video about it mm. where the creator says that um, <laughs> anyways uh, mm. is that like I don't think the Holy Spirit's like hey David when like write these things and these psalms in this way I think David just wanted to worship the Lord and express himself you know and he did so mm. you know yeah and like when Solomon's writing his wisdom I don't think that he's in, in like Proverbs I don't think that he's like and I don't think the Holy Spirit's like on his shoulder like um, yada 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 but if this happens, yeah. yada, yada, yada. He's just like, right. no, if, as I reflect on my life, that God's blessed me with this, 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 this. You know, I think right. that God works a lot more in the ordinary than he does. Like through our like willingness to follow God mm. and our just laying down of our pride and seeking God and doing our best to follow God, God works with that much more than he does this supernatural, spectacular, like, oh my gosh, the heavens opened up. I saw what I was supposed to do. And I think if we can realize that, I think it will give us a little bit more ease in life in a sense, at least in the, if you're yeah, coming, back, coming from the charismatic background that I did, right? Like if you are living your life with this idea that like God has to be directly telling me everything I must do. Like I've had friends who say like, yeah, you would like ask God what food I should buy at the store. And I was like, oh my goodness, dude. Like mm. what pressure. Be so stressful. I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like, I haven't, I just say, thank you, Lord, for money to go buy food. What do I want to buy? And then I usually will use wisdom. Like, is this healthy? Is this really, is this really wise? Like, right. do I need this back of donuts? Probably not, you know? And that's probably the wisdom right. of the Lord in form. I'm going to get it anyway. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <unfortunately>. <laughs> Literally not a whole package of donuts, but I went to get coffee today. I went to get a breakfast, like a bagel for breakfast. And I saw a donut. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't need that donut. I'm so hungry. I was like, give me that donut too, bro. <laughs> that's so funny but yeah like like i think god works through the mundane and just the not mm. the mundane the normal i don't want to say mundane the yeah. everyday life the i want to follow you god i'm gonna do my best and like would you lead me in the process and he will he just it, mm. it happens 
Yeah. I think this all leads into a really good question, kind of maybe an ending off question that we can go yeah. about, um, which is what a lot of people ask if they like start to figure out that the Bible is a little more complicated and a little less straightforward and a little more human than they used to think it was. Um, and the last question, well, if God is perfect and he did like, he didn't, if he didn't communicate perfectly with us, right. Like if God is absolutely perfect and can't make any errors, then why did he give us a book that is so clearly confusing and um, seemingly has errors within it, right? Why would God communicate that way? And I think there's a lot we can understand about God's communication to us through that question. Um, but do you have any uh, like immediate thoughts about that? Like right off the bat? Cause a lot of people use yeah. that to say, well, God must not have used the Bible to reveal himself because it isn't perfect. And so therefore God doesn't exist. And I think that it can okay. be more, there can be a better answer than that. If that makes sense. Yeah. I would wonder like if people are saying, well, this like part's confusing this part's confusing it's like well your confusion about something doesn't make it not true astrophysics is confusing you know quantum physics Mm -hmm. is confusing if you're a normal person like me calculus is confusing like i don't i never took a calculus class but it doesn't make it not true you know so confusion Mm -hmm. doesn't lead to falsehood it leads to opportunities to grow and I, I think I would probably start there. Um, but yeah, what was the last part of your question? Like, how could, what, how would I answer someone saying this makes it not, makes God fake? Or yeah, not so real? someone would ask the question and they'd say, if God's perfect, how could, he, how could he communicate so imperfectly with people within the Bible? Yeah, um, I would say God didn't communicate imperfectly. Um, he, hmm. he did very perfectly express and explain like who he is, why we're here and what our purpose is, you know, like he's God. And that's kind of what like John was saying last week, which I would, I would agree with. Like, it's like, God is who he says he is, right? Like God is the creator and God is sovereign and God is in charge. And God is in the process of redeeming humanity. How did he redeem humanity? Jesus. I think that was clearly communicated. And it's very, we have like, we can have really good logical reason to, to believe that Jesus existed and died and resurrected um Mm -hmm. and our purpose is to take his kingdom that he has given us and 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 grow it like he did he says go therefore into all the Mm -hmm. world so i would say god hasn't um communicated imperfectly um i think he has communicated very straightforward of what we're supposed to do now there might be some specific parts that seem confusing like well why did god choose to do this Mm -hmm. why did this happen and we can talk about that but if we're talking about the main thing god was trying to communicate and if he did that imperfectly, I'm like, oh, he, he did not do it imperfectly. He did it perfectly. He did it just as he said he would do right. it. Mm. I think what people say or when what people mean when they say that is right. why isn't it so much more simple and straightforward? Like why, yeah, sure. why is there even a, a debate about Christ being God? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like why, why is there a debate about like the Trinity existing? And why is there a debate about um, if God is actually different between the Old and the New Testament, why isn't it just simpler and not as complex and complicated as it is? And it makes me doubt whether it's actually from God because it is so complex, right? And so I would say the person more is asking, why isn't it simple? Like for me to yeah, understand. Yeah, like why did God make it so than, hard to know? Like why is it so complicated? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's I think, I think it is a really oh, interesting go question. Go ahead. I was going to say it is a really interesting question. And I think once you get past the frustration of it not being simple, it actually becomes more beautiful that it was communicated that way. Um, but go ahead about what you're going to say. 
Well, I was just going to say, like, I try to liken it to most things in life that um, we experience that we just accept as our natural reality. Uh, for instance, mm-hmm. like um, a lot of people will, and uh, not a lot of people, uh, some charismatic people who are like extremely, like very out there charismatic will say, well, I just live by faith. I don't have to do any works to prove my faith. So I don't, have, I don't do anything. You know, it's like, well, you would never use that in any of your other relationships. Like if you have a wife, right. you're never going to just ignore her and neglect her and say, but I love you. I don't have to prove it to you. So we you don't do that believe with God. I love you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So I try to liken it to other things. And I just think like, yeah, but like some of the hardest processes we go through in life, some of the hardest things we go through in life become some of the most transformative or the most mm-hmm. fun. Right. One of the yeah. scariest and where we find that, the most revelation, right? Right. And one of the hardest things yeah. that me and you've ever done, like maybe not hard because it was a matter of strapping ourselves to a human and letting them do whatever we want. But like we jumped out of a plane, we skydived, right? That's a scary right. thing to go through. That is one of the most terrifying yeah. places you can be because you literally have no guarantee that you're going to live. Like it's like right. a stupid thing to do, but we mm-hmm. did it. And it was literally the most fun thing I've ever done so far. Yeah. Literally. Right. Like, yeah. Uh, you ever seen that Parks and Rec? Literally the most fun thing. Literally ever. the most fun thing ever. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like it's just, it, it's like the hard things make us, better people and so if it's like mm-hmm. and, and the bible says like it's the glory of god to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to seek out a matter it's you know it's our mm-hmm. glory to seek this out there it's our wrestling and our struggling that we finally understand who god is and, and when things are given mm-hmm. easily we don't appreciate it you know like people who work yeah. really hard for their money appreciate and spend their money a lot more wise and and frugal and, and intentional mm-hmm. than people who just get handed a million dollars when they're young and, and just be a reckless, you know, it's like when mm. you have to struggle yeah. and, and crawl and wrestle and, and grip things, it's like, you learn a lot, you grow just like everything in life. Yeah. Yeah. And the Bible is written in such a way that it's so easy to empathize with it. Right. And if it was uh-huh. written in like a way that wasn't human, humans can't empathize with things that aren't human. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we can so try far. to understand them, yeah, but it, we wouldn't understand it. Like truly, we wouldn't get real revelation from it because it's not something we could ever experience. But because it's written in such a way that is so human, we can empathize and we can get revelation from it and take such like deep human truths from it that are from God because it is written in the way it is written, even though it can be frustrating at times to try to understand it. For sure. I think when people are um, talking about like, well, it's hard to understand and therefore I, I don't want to do it. It's like, it's a reflection of the condition of our culture where so many things come so easily to us, right? If we want dopamine to hit, so I can open up TikTok and just go, 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 go and get like a hundred an hour, right? And so mm-hmm. it's like reflective of this, of our culture where we always want like the most easy to understand thing or make it easy. Like if I'm confused about something, I can YouTube the answer and I can find it. So why can't I do this thing about God? Which you could like YouTube things about God and find a lot of good sermons out there. Also a lot of probably faulty ones, Mm. but yeah, it's just like, I think it's more reflective of like, Oh, like maybe we as a culture aren't used to wrestling and grappling with things and, and, and like really digging deep to try to get to the source of things and find the reward because Mm-hmm. Although people do go through hard things in life, it's like nothing like what it used to be. We were living in one of the best times that it probably the best time to be a human, you know, other than the at least garden. for us. Yeah. 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 At least in Western America, not for not universally around mm-hmm. the world. 
but yeah it's like well universally it's a pretty good time to be alive too but yeah definitely there are places that suck a lot more than here but on the overall statistically everybody lives the best that they've ever lived ever yeah but still there's various like situations <laughs> but statistically right yeah right. so yeah i just think like i wonder if that's just a reflection of like like pastors always talk about like we're a microwave culture and our, we're dealing with a crockpot god sometimes he's not gonna let like, you have the thing quick you gotta let it cook it's like have you ever <laughs> yeah. heard that yeah so I've just, that, like, <laughs> I, like probably i've never heard from the pulpit oh i've heard it from whoa pulpit. really oh yeah all the time yeah all the time i have not but i heard it as like joke or oh no they use it genuinely so they don't use it as a joke and like it's a good analogy but no, it's just really a, cheesy when i was a kid i was like oh that makes sense i was like and the chicken in the crock pot tastes way better than the chicken out of the microwave like, <laughs> you know like that's if that's how god they is got I'm a point. Wait. yeah like they ain't wrong yeah yeah things are that uh, juicy chicken not the dry chicken <laughs> <laughs> things are um cliche because of true you know that's the way they're cliche yeah a little bit but yeah so i just think it's if someone's like yeah confusion doesn't equal falsehood and wrestling equals reward mm-hmm. in my mind mm-hmm. yes very good so for everybody listening the idea of inerrancy is very complicated and one that takes a lot of study clearly more than either of us have done and will ever do in our lifetimes because the pursuit of understanding the Bible is a lifelong journey. And we can look into many things outside of the Bible to even understand the Bible more, um, like history, philosophy, archaeology, all those kind of things, hermeneutics yeah. that just improve our hermeneutic. Um, but it's our goal because we think the Bible is inspired by God to try to understand it better. And whatever version of inerrancy you'd like to subscribe to or not inerrancy, go for it as long as you're doing it intellectually honestly and you're still following christ still believe he is who he says he is that he is god and he died for you and repent of your sins and all those kind of things so thanks for listening everybody is there anything else you want to say ethan um yeah uh inerrancy doesn't make or break christianity true what makes or break christianity is if jesus rose from the dead which i don't know if mm. we i don't can't remember if we've done a recent podcast on that but it'd be super fun to do yeah it'll be fun we can go to it soon maybe we could do like a we could do a debate review or something. So like we could, we could just, we could both watch or a debate. Uh, I think I've seen most all of them, but we could watch a debate yeah. and do like a commentary after it. So people could kind of have like a reference point to what we're talking about. Um, instead of just like kind of quickly saying like, I don't know what we think. Right. Right. I think Gary Habermas is like the leading authority on it. And cause everyone I listen to like quotes his work and I'm like, Oh, yeah, he was on uh, Captain Christianity. Right. We'll just have him He's on. A cool guy. One of the leading authorities. Yeah. <laughs> if only. <laughs> right. We'll reach out to him and see, see what he says. <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. All, All right. right. Well, Darren, have one more Thanks question for, for to the you. show. Oh yeah, ask me a question. If you were trapped in a gladiator ring. Yeah. With Joe Rogan. Oh, I'd lose. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding what weapon do i get <laughs> what weapon do you get um you I get your DMT. body you get your body you <laughs> choose dmt you get your physical DMT. body right now with conor mcgregor's skill oh i'm winning what but you don't get the conditioning of your muscles like you just get you just know how to do everything 
but you're not used to the pain of everything. So you don't have the, like the nerve dam or the, the scar tissue or like the, do I have the reflexes? And all, yeah, every, all the skill, O'Connor? all the skill. Yeah. But that's so physical. I know. So if you punch him, you're going to be really good at it. You're going to be in a lot of pain. because like, Do I have <laughs> the power of Connor and the speed of Connor? Or you have your muscles right speed? now. You have his but speed. I don't you don't have, have his power. Connor. You have his speed, but not his power. How long would you last? Current day, Conor McGregor? Um, prime. And uh, current day, Joe Rogan? <laughs> also prime, to be fair. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> I, want, I want current day, Joe Rogan. Um, okay, I current think, day, Joe Rogan. You want to be a 50-year-old man? I think I'm, I'm winning, I think. <laughs> All right. I think I'm winning that fight. Joe's probably well, better at jujitsu, maybe, um, but my speed would be able to... Matt, well, we actually have Joe in the office. Joe, you want to come in? <laughs> Joe, you want to come in? <laughs> Could you imagine if I was with Joe Rogan? Yeah. I'm a little Just taller than Joe. The show. Yeah. Hey, Joe, Dude. sorry, I have a podcast. You can't come on. I got to, you know. Like, <laughs> He's definitely bigger than me, but I'm taller than him. And if I had Connor's speed um, and also Connor's knowledge of defensive jujitsu and striking, I think it, I could. I could yeah. give him a run for his money. Yeah, as long as so. I get spinning back kicked to hell. Right. By Joe. Right. right. Yeah. He held Absolutely. the world record for spinning back. Yeah, kicks. I heard that. That's insane. You didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrifying. It would be fun to watch, no matter what. Yeah, I I'd pay for it. Anyways. Oh, Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's your question for me? Um, I immediately just thought about you fighting a girl for some reason. Celine Dion specifically. I couldn't make up somebody else. I'd lose. If they're professional fighters, I'm losing. I don't care if it's a girl or guy. Uh, I said Celine Dion, so it's not professional. I don't know who that is. Who is that? A Canadian singer. Oh, like a Piero. Uh, Yeah, I know. I saw this Canadian and he's like, (laughs) he's like, you know, he's like, I was hanging on my girlfriend and my friend the other day. We were watching fighting. We were talking about how the UFC guys often get like really physically abusive in relationships. He's like, my girlfriend goes, I'm so glad I'm not with a guy who can kick my ass like that. (laughs) (laughs) He goes, he's like, what? He's like, like, it was disrespectful. And I thought to myself, you don't think I can do that? He's like, I can do that. He's like, I just don't do it. I choose not to. It wasn't like really the funniest stand-up comedy i saw but i thought like that's a that's a clever joke i feel like i showed this to you maybe maybe it just came up yesterday when i was watching stuff but i was like that's that's clever i didn't think he was really funny but i thought yeah all right right, everybody end the show with beating women hopefully you have a good week everybody (laughs) and don't don't beat never or joe ever have i ever and never will i beat women yes all right, everybody, check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, all those places. We have a Patreon. We have stickers. If you want a sticker, DM us, and we'll be able to send you one and stuff like that. If you want to support us, we'll be able to buy more merch, have a better show, all those kind of things. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, let us know on Instagram. It's the best way to get in contact with yeah. us. We can also email us or anything else. And hopefully you listen next time. See you next week, y'all. Bye, everybody.